How many of you have ever given somebody a birthday present? Anybody here not given a birthday present? <laughs> Good. Um, I actually do know some people who have never given a birthday present. They believe it to be wrong. I don't know. I don't fully understand that, but... Um, do you give a birthday present out of love or because you have to or does it depend on the person? I'm sorry. <laughs> Hopefully it's given out of love. You might feel a sense of obligation because that person gave you a birthday present last year. But the best gifts truly come because you love someone and you want to give it to them because you really care about them. As I was um, studying and searching praying to the Lord on what to follow up last week's message with. He struck me with a very interesting verse. Normally I don't read the NIV, but I was on break. I was actually um, fasting through lunch and I read online on a website called BibleGateway.com. I don't know if you've ever seen it. I don't know much about their theology, but they have the entire Bible online in multiple versions, but their default is NIV. And so I was reading NIV just because... I didn't bother to change it. And I came across Romans 12. And it was like God just hit me with a sledgehammer all of a sudden on what to follow up a message about mercy with. Just in verse 1. It said, Therefore I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. I went, wow, what a great way to follow up mercy. Paul's telling you how to follow up mercy. In view of God's mercy towards you, offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual, spiritual act of worship. And it just amazes me every time how the Lord gives the songs that match the messages. <laughs> I don't get it. I can't figure it out. He's a whole lot smarter than I am. But... Uh, <laughs> Um, it just blows me away because um, here he's telling us in view of mercy to live a life as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing, for it's an act of worship. And what is a natural response when anybody gives you mercy? To thank them, to be joyful. As uh, Adrian read before, rejoice, O daughter of Zion. I was actually going to read that this evening. <laughs> but she read it earlier. Israel has received God's mercy. We all know that from the time they were selected and chosen to be a kingdom of priests and a holy nation, God's chosen people haven't fully lived up to it. Not in its entirety. But God has granted them mercy so that through them the rest of the world might also have mercy. Rob Shoal covers that in the book of Romans. But the first response to that gift of mercy or to that awesome birthday gift you receive should be one of praise or joy. Just thank you so much for doing that. And as, that, as I mentioned uh, last week, God's mercy is key to how his spirit indwells us and becomes manifest in us. For God cannot 
withstand corruption in his presence. And verse 2 covers that. It says, Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what is God's will, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. You have been predestined to be transformed into the likeness of Messiah Yeshua. That is your calling, to be transformed. And this doesn't mean you're going to turn from a car to a robot like the modern movies suggest. But you are changing from an old, sinful person to a new creation. And that old is completely gone. And that is what mercy is all about. And that is why God can inhabit you. Why God can dwell in you. Your body becomes the temple of the Most High God. And what is the natural response to that? Um, in Revelation, I'm going to start with uh, verse 8, chapter 4. And the four creatures, each of them having six wings and are full of eyes around and within, and day and night they do not cease, saying, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and who is and who is to come. And when the living creatures give glory and honor and thanks to him who sits on the throne, to him who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders will fall down before him who sits on the throne and will worship him who lives forever and ever and will cast their crowns before the throne saying, Worthy are you, our Lord, our God, to receive glory and honor and power. For you created all things and because of your will they existed and were created. I want to say something without God's mercy. I truly believe that God just didn't have to stop our existence. He could have gone back in time and ceased it from the beginning. But that is not the God we worship. He has chosen to be holy for he is holiness. And the natural response in Isaiah when he sees kadosh, 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 Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is filled with His presence. God is holy. And that is our natural response. You'll find that the um, in Galatians, as I read the uh, most commonly known as the fruit of the Spirit, In chapter 5, it doesn't say holiness. It says love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. It doesn't say holiness there. Because those are all aspects of holiness. But they're not holiness itself. God is holiness. God is the very definition of holiness. And that is why when we receive his mercy, that's our only response. You are holy. And yet, he chooses to make you holy. He chooses to make you holy.
And that's what Rav Shul is talking about. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. The renewing of our minds by spending time with that holy God who renews it. And the pattern of the world, what does the world have to do with the Spirit? Romans is full of the world is at war with the Spirit. It's full of flesh versus spirit, old man versus spirit, depending on your translation. They have nothing to do with each other. You are in the world, but not of the world any longer. And earlier in Galatians, we have plenty of examples. I'm going to say, uh, starting in chapter 5, verse 16. But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not carry out the desire of the flesh. For the flesh sets its desire against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh. They are not just not the same thing, but they are actually against one another. For these are in opposition to one another, so you may not do the things that you please. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. But the deeds of the flesh are evident, which are immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, outbursts of anger, disputes, dissensions, factions, envying, drunkenness, carousing, and things like these, of which I forewarn you, just as I had forewarned you, that those who practice these things will not inherit the kingdom of God. If you are inhabitant of the kingdom of God, you are walking by the Spirit. And what part does your flesh have with anything other than holiness? But, unfortunately, I don't think any of us has lived a holy life from the point where we first became a believer. And that's where that mercy comes in again, as I talked about last week. We can't continue to beat ourselves down with the past. We forget the past and look on towards what's ahead. For by the grace given me, Rav Shavuot says in uh, 12.3, Romans 12.3, For the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment, in accordance with the measure of faith God has given you. The next temptation, pride. We realize how holy God is and how great He is and how merciful He is to us. And then we think, aren't I something? (laughs) Yeah, God saved me. (laughs) All right, you hear that? Me. I think there's a reason Romans uses self and flesh. Me. They're all synonymous. It's the pride of life. It's you. It's not about you. Initially in the Garden of Eden, what was the initial temptation given to Eve? You can be like God. Pride. At the source of it all. You do not have to be one of God's people, you can be a God yourself. Unfortunately, Adam and Eve fell for it and we ourselves have fallen for it. And it just doesn't come before 
I believe that pride is serving yourself. And you'll notice that all these deeds of the flesh that I read from Galatians are self-serving. It says Satan says, okay, I can't get you there anymore. They're a little bit too obvious. That's where he starts devising different means of attacks towards you. And so Rav Shoal says, think of yourself with sober judgment. This does not mean feeling guilty or casting blame on your past self. Simply realizing where you came from and where you're going and what you are to where you are going. You are nothing compared to God and yet he chooses to rejoice over you anyway. It's nothing of you. So as we cast down this pride, we know that pride has no part in God because God is love. And we read in 1 Corinthians 13 that love is not proud. So pride can have no part. Not as we know pride. But as we're manifesting and we walk away from this pride of saying, look what God did because I'm something special. And the fruit of the Spirit becomes evident in our lives. And I just want to read them. I know I read them last week. but Love, joy, peace, patience, Kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. As those things become evident in your life, the Spirit will move on you and give you additional gifts. Now, gifts are different than fruit. Fruit is a manifestation of the Spirit in you. But God has given each one of you gifts to accomplish His will that you will be able to attest and approve what God's will is, as he said in verse 2. You will be able to accomplish that will because God will give you the gifts you need to do it. You may think, another opportunity for pride. <laughs> Ironically enough, so does Rosh He says, each one of us has one body with many members and these members do not all have the same function. So we in Messiah... We who, are, we who are many form one body and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given us or according to the mercy given us. If a man's gift is prophesying, let him use it in proportion to his faith. If it's serving, let him serve. If it's teaching, let him teach. If it's encouraging, let him encourage. If it's contributing to the needs of others, let him give generously. If it is leadership, let him govern diligently. If it is showing mercy, let him do it cheerfully. I ended last week with a reminder that the final step of recognizing God's mercy for you was showing mercy for others. And that is a part of love, but there's an additional mercy, an additional outpouring of mercy that some people seem to have that just attracts others as they were to Yeshua. And that is truly a gift of the Spirit. And if you seek that gift, ask God for it. For He doesn't withhold His gifts from you. It says, Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil and cling to what is good. 
Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Honor one another above yourselves. What a great way to avoid pride. Honor one another above yourselves. If we give honor to everyone else above ourselves, how are we ever going to be prideful? Still can happen, unfortunately. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor. Going back to thinking of yourself with sober judgment. If you are constantly remembering what God did for you, then how can you not help but share that with those around you? In your life, in your actions, or in your words. How can it not be evident that you are redeemed of the Lord? if you truly remember constantly that He has redeemed you. Because that is a gift far greater than I can describe, I can imagine. It would take years of saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God of hosts. To truly thank Him for it, it would take an eternity of saying that. And I think that's what we're going to get the opportunity to do. Fortunately. Be joyful in hope. Patient in affliction and faithful in prayer. Share with God's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. These are all in relations to other believers. But if you are joyful in hope, what is that to non-believers as well? Have you ever um, seen a presidential candidate? And I know we're getting close to elections. Walk up to the stage and, my fellow Americans, this country stinks. I'm not that great of a president, but I'm running anyway. So vote for me. How many votes do you think that person's going to get? <laughs> Maybe one or two pity votes, but <laughs> it's not going to happen. You attract people by the joy that comes. Restore unto me the joy of my salvation. I talked about that last week. That is God's mercy. The joy of salvation. So if you are remembering that, you've got joy in your life. And it's exuberant. It's bounding over. So that even when there is affliction, you are patient in it. And you will always be faithful in prayer because you're thanking God continuously for what He's done for you. And you have no problem sharing with those in need. Because you remember the mercy that was shown to you. It gets a little harder. As the gifts of the Spirit are manifested in you and your transformation becomes more and more complete. It says, Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice and mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. How many times is he going to keep bringing up that pride can sneak in on us? Do you think there's a point he's trying to make here? Pride is the number one attack that I see on people who are really experiencing the gifts of God. I've seen people do miraculous things and fall from a great height in their walk because they start thinking of themselves as something. And I'm here to tell you, I am nothing. I'm not worthy to be up here. I'm not worthy to be alive. 
I'm not worthy to be a gnat. But God said I am worth something. And his word goes, so suddenly I am. But it's nothing of my own. So that I don't boast. Do not repay evil. Like I said, I am nothing. (laughs) Uh, Do not repay evil for evil, but be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everybody. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Wow. That's a really tough one. Let me just say that I have always tried to be liked by everyone or at least tolerated by everyone. I worked for two and a half years in the fast food industry. And uh, when I retired, so to speak, (laughs) my boss asked me one thing. She said, Nathaniel, do you ever get mad? (laughs) Because I didn't want anybody to not like me. I wanted them all to know God in me. Let me tell you, that's not an easy thing to do. I've had people pull up and just start cursing at you right and left for something that somebody else did the day before and giving them the wrong order. And you're like, I'm sorry. I have no idea what you're talking about. (laughs) It's crazy. And as you can imagine, a place filled with probably 10 teenagers and just older than teenagers being manager, there was never any friction or any egos to walk on at all, especially those of you who have teenage children or have had them. Be willing to associate with people of a low position and do not be conceited. We cannot reach those around us if we walk on stilts. We're not joining the circus. We're not here to show how acrobatic and how great we are. We're here to share what God has done for us. Um, There's a group that actually goes to pornography conventions and sets up a booth and witnesses there. I personally would not choose to do this, but they believe that that is their calling and they have actually led some former actors, actresses, I don't know what you call them, (laughs) to the Lord. And it just blows me away that you would even consider doing that. Now, obviously, the Lord has placed a special calling on them if this is really God's will, and it seems to be because he is blessing them. Because I do not think that most people should do that. It would be a far greater two temptation for most people. But they're not... I mean, people looked down on them and cursed them for that. I heard radio evangelists and radio preachers saying how stupid they were and there was no point. You know... I didn't exactly see the logic in it, but I'm not God. And God blessed them with this. And I don't know if they're still doing it or not. Their name was like Triple X for the Lord, or I don't remember what the name was. (laughs) It just was very odd to me. But they definitely were willing to associate with people of low position. Because I don't think uh, even in our degraded state, our degraded country, that most people would consider uh, people involved in that industry of any position. 
uh, with the exception, I don't even think people regard Hugh Hefner that highly, and he's extremely rich and, and prosperous. But And pray for him, because <laughs> he needs it. <laughs> Live at peace with everyone, though. That's another hard thing to do. Finally, it ends with a calling that also is a version of pride. And he's calling you not to take it. He says, Do not take revenge, my friends, but leave room for God's wrath, for it is written, It is mine to avenge, I will repay, says the Lord. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him, and if he's thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. We are more than conquerors through Messiah. And we can overcome evil with good. Let me tell you, leaving God to take His revenge, if you want to take what is rightfully God's from Him, I can't stop you. But consider what you're doing and the pride that you have in saying, no God, that's mine. Even though you said it was yours. Because that's his. If someone hurts you, it hurts him. But that revenge is his to take and his alone. For he redeemed you. You were bought with a price. And you have a choice to be a slave to sin or a slave to righteousness. We've chosen, hopefully each one of us, to be slaves to righteousness. But what happens to us is our master's right to revenge. And he will at the proper time. But he first chooses to enact mercy and give chances to those just as we were given chances. And all I can say in response to that is do not overcome, be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. That's amazing. You have the power to overcome evil. When you consider that, it just makes you want to praise God all over again. The Hallel songs, Psalms I read uh, last week it talks about all the mercies of God overcoming the evil kings, uh, Egypt, Pharaoh. By God's mercy, he protected his people. And by God's mercy, he's protecting you. And it says, his mercy endures forever. So I'd like to leave you with that. His mercy endures forever. And I urge you, in response to that, that you may forever lift, offer your body as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God, as a spiritual act of worship, and that you will forever worship the Lord your God in holiness and in truth.